Welcome back to the Sorority Podcast, home of your first place, Boston Bruins. I'm joined right, here by right, Jackie right, Leone right, with right, the right, right. with the seventh in the East placed New York Rangers. I think they're eighth. Maybe eighth. We're checking standings as we speak. Well, I was gonna There's the Bruins with 16 right. points in the East, and the Rangers all the way down at the bottom of the East with oh eight my, points. The the leagues have the divisions have sponsors. The Discover Central, the Honda West. That's news to the me. The Mass Mutual East, the Scotia North. Of course, it's Scotia Bank for, mm-hmm. for the North, but um. You know we suck, but like so do the Islanders. Most of the East so. playing very good right now. The top three teams you would expect to be at the top are at the top, and among Actually, them, you could argue no. You could argue that going into the season that you would predict the Islanders being the top three, and they are at number seven. So, wrong. Just the first time, it'll be wrong. <laughs> okay, you didn't have to say I was blatantly wrong. However, you, you know, I, I don't think that back in... I, I remember a time when we didn't have four divisions in hockey, and there was just an okay. Eastern and a Western Conference, and the top four teams no, were there always... Were, there were four divisions as well. Well, yes, but when everybody East played each other, you know, and when playoff format was East versus West, you had the Bruins, the Flyers, the Capitals, and the Lightning kind of working as the big four. Obviously, the Islanders made a run to the playoff conference they finals. They made it to the semifinals. Semifinal, semifinal last year. They got beat out by Tampa. Although they made a spectacular playoff run, I'm not sure they were as built for success this yes, year as people would have thought. Um, anybody can get hot at, at any given time they were in the hot, NHL. Though. They had they had so many solid players. They had a solid overall season. Like they they were just so good last year. And well, I don't I can't say that they're horrible. They have the same record as the Rangers, which. Kind of means they're terrible. We're, we're in a d- different setting today. We're in my apartment back on campus. I should know we're back on South Hill. And I- I'm hoping With you can't no hear in the background. I-, I hope you can't hear in the background. That there's a lot of distractions and various noises in the apartment. Um, I hear I can hear basketball going on, some loud thumps. I can only feel bad for the neighbors below us. But um, we are back on campus, which is which is great. And, you know, we can finally do podcasts in person again. Um, anyway, back to my point. The East, as we knew coming into this year, was pretty stacked. Um, New Jersey playing decent hockey, um, so I, I wouldn't say that... You, you, for what they are, and for what we expected from the Devils this year, I, I think they're exceeding yeah. expectations. I wouldn't say they're playing great hockey. They're certainly exceeding expectations, however. That said, I don't think there's any... There, there are no games in the East where you can look and say one team is going to completely dominate another team. Yeah, well, that also, again, is not true because, like, we see a huge divide, I would say, at around halfway through the league, like, cut off at fourth place, right, where we have Philly, Boston, Washington, and Pittsburgh winning five to seven games, and then you see the lower half of the league winning three to four. Like, that's a huge jump that's a huge disparity in not really talent but it's a huge it's let me clarify wind despair like that there's it's either it's this whole time we've been watching it's the teams at the top are going to crush the teams at the bottom at least in the east 
that that's that's how it's been. There hasn't really been an upset. I guess you can argue the first upset was the Rangers beating Pittsburgh the other night in regulation because who saw that? Well, from a Bruins fan perspective, I can tell you that the Devils have already beaten the Bruins this year in overtime. I guess what I'm trying to say is in a 56-game season where each team in each division plays each other eight times, there's no team that's going to go 8-0 and against another. Yes, that is correct. Um, obviously, you're going to see you know a divide in the points because there are obviously teams that are better than the others, but I think on any given night, a team in this division can compete with anyone else in this division. Um, the Bruins and the Rangers have yet to play, but obviously the Bruins aren't going to go 8-0 against the Rangers. The Rangers are going to play them well, and they're going to play them tough. There's no easy wins in this division, uh, is what I'm trying to get at. Um, and the same can't be said for other divisions. I mean, I guess. Like Canada... Um, Montreal might as well go 8-0 against Ottawa. Or, yeah, Ottawa is not doing too hot at all. Ottawa's really... The whole North is pretty solid and pretty competitive, and more evenly than the North, than the East, um, with the standout of Ottawa. Um, the West, again, looks just like the East. There's a pretty big disparity in terms of teams that are winning and teams that are losing, um, with the exception of the Vegas and Ducks fall right in the middle. Um a lot of overtime so I guess that's that's kind of what I don't like about the season there's been so many overtimes overtime is almost guaranteed especially when you're playing a team where you're pretty similar and you know each other very very well yeah you know everyone else in your vision well enough for everyone I think that gets back to the point where everyone's going to compete with the other team because over the past couple of years these are the teams that you by far play the most on a season to season basis everyone's very familiar with each other yeah. Um, something that I was curious to see um, this year would be how Tampa Bay would perform in the Central because Tampa Bay is a team synonymous they are with annihilating. The, Tampa Bay is a team that is synonymous with the best in the East, and obviously they didn't make the um, geographical cut to be in the Eastern Conference or in the Eastern Division but this year. Actually, believe it or not, as I'm looking at this right now, Tampa is not really dominating the league they're tied in wins and losses with Carolina if they didn't get the one overtime win that they have Carolina would be in first place in that in that division well Carolina just got Jordan Stahl back Vincent Trocek's playing great hockey Carolina was also a solid hockey team like this is also a division this is also a division that's been hit with COVID pretty bad um especially Florida because it went through Dallas and Dallas um, so we have yet to really see these teams get into a groove. Um, but you know, talk about Dallas sitting at 5-1-1. One, one. Obviously, they're below Tampa on points. But I could argue that this is a team, if I were to see them go head-to-head in a playoff matchup right now, um, I'd, be I'd be tempted to take Dallas because you've got a barrage of guys who are just scoring goals. Dennis Gurionov is scoring a lot of goals. Um, Joe Pavelski is playing the best hockey of anyone in the league at the moment as with the exception of Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid, Joe Pavelski, I think, is through seven games, maybe sitting on 15 points with, like, eight goals and seven assists. He's playing lights-out hockey. And, you know, Chicago, for what they are, they're competing. Uh, obviously, you get down to the teams no. like Nashville and Detroit. Nashville's going to compete on a nightly basis, but um, Dallas, Carolina, and Tampa Bay are all going to play each other pretty hard this year. You, you know, Florida is still you're, you're, sitting you're, in third. You're but counting off. The Panthers. The Panthers have yet. Well, I was get, to I was getting to it. Sergey Bobrovsky is playing great hockey. Sergey Bobrovsky is playing really, really well in between the pipes. Have a two-game winning streak. Don't just just scarred the Florida Panthers. 
it, the only reason right over. the only reason why I'm hesitant about the Panthers are they've only played six games to this point. Bobrovsky is yet to lose a game. I'm just not sure with what they have. They're built to contend with those teams down the stretch. You've got Nolachari and who? Can you name anyone on Florida beside Bobrovsky and Achari? I, no, I can't. I can't. Um, not off the top of my head. No one on that team's really making a, a huge impact. They're winning games by the skin of their teeth. Um, Bobrovsky and I guess a solid defense are what are keeping them in right now. Um, again, but they haven't lost a game regulation, so we'll see how that plays. But um, yeah. I, I'm very pleased with how competitive the Central Division's been because it's a, a division I really thought Tampa Bay was just going to dominate, obviously with the, the loss of Nikita Kucherov. Um, maybe they're not dominating as much as they would be, but still sitting at 6-1-1. One, and one and, um, But you have other teams in that division who are certainly, you know, have some pretty, some pretty stellar win percentages. Um, I want to get back to a team who I think has surprised, not, maybe not surprised everyone because they made a pretty decent playoff push last year, but the Montreal Canadiens might as well be the best team in hockey at the moment. Um, again, because they're playing in the North Division where, I'm not going to say it's not a strong North Division. Obviously, the Canadian Division is going to be very competitive because all those teams, you know, they're going to play each other really tough. Um, but in a division where you've got Edmonton, Toronto, and maybe I'll say Vancouver can play good hockey at times, Jeff Petrie, for a defenseman, has scored, I believe, somewhere in the realm of five to six goals so far. Um, Tyler Toffoli is, seems like he's scoring two goals on a nightly basis. Um, and obviously you got the likes of Gallagher and, you know, amongst others. I didn't really think that this was a team who would follow up a really, really good playoff run with a really successful season, but they've had certain names completely step up and take over the league by storm. And, you know, all, all the credit to them. Maybe, you know, there's a possibility that my Bruins could see them in a Stanley Cup final, and I think, you know, as a, as a um, as just a hockey fan, that's that's a rivalry that you'd love to see in a Cup final, but maybe you would feel differently. <laughs> I don't know. I, I agree, but I don't think you can say Montreal is the best team by far because if you look, the Leafs are so close. If you look at the stats and you look at the only, like, they, they both are 3-1 and one at home. Um, Montreal has yet to lose away. Um, Toronto has one loss away. Like, they are both have seven wins. Toronto just has one more loss, and that's um, whereas Montreal went into overtime which doesn't count as a loss technically, and they put the ball because they did win. But the, the stats are so close, I don't think you can say they might as well be the best team in the league by far just because the, the, there, there are other teams quite close, like the Flyers and but, the Bruins also. But Jackie, you're missing like a key, stat, st- key statistic here that tells the, the, the whole story for me, is if you scroll back up, and you look at the difference between Montreal and Toronto. Mm-hmm. Montreal and Toronto, they're both winning games, but Montreal are blowing teams out. A plus 17 goal differential yeah. in 10 games, as opposed to Toronto's four goal goal differential. I mean, so then it was so then Montreal's it, like Toronto's winning games. Montreal is blowing teams out. So just to annoy you, so why? So what makes you think Boston isn't better than they are? Because look, they're they're blowing people out with an 11 point differential. They have seven wins. They have only one loss. 
I said they might as well be they the best have, team. They have an 880 win percentage. But here's the thing. Obviously, we're never going to get the satisfaction of seeing them go head-to-head in the regular season. So it's hard no, to but, say who would be better, who but, would beat but who. What, I, what I'm just trying to say is there's no clear team, I think, that is the best in the league right now. And obviously, we're looking at small sample sizes. Most teams have only played 10 games. Um so, you know, and obviously with teams not having the ability to play head-to-head from other divisions, we won't know until there's an eventual um, playoff matchup, which we can only hope we get the best playoff matchups possible because, you know, I would love to see the Bruins play the Canadians. I would love to see, um, like, the Flyers play the Oilers and stuff like that. I think those would be great matchups, but um, you know, it's really tough for me to sit here and say that one team's better than the other because, you know, we're going off of... Um, how teams are playing against totally different teams. These teams might as well, we might as well not even be comparing these teams because all of them in the regular season are playing in totally different leagues. Not All these teams are technically playing in the NHL, but all these teams are playing in completely different divisions who don't play teams from other divisions. So they're not, none of them have played similar opponents to this point. Um, you know, so you can't look here and say like, Boston beat Washington, but Montreal didn't beat Washington because those because what Montreal won't play Washington at any point in time. So you know it, it'll be tough to sit here and dissect and have those debates about you know would a team from this division be better than a team from this division? You can't say that because they're playing in totally different leagues. But um, I'm on that note. I'm very pleased with how the Bruins are playing, but I'm I'm not particularly thrilled with this whole comeback thing that that they seem to be on at the moment. What comeback thing? In the past three games playing Washington twice they've erased three zero leads against Washington to win both those games oh no they lost in overtime but they forced overtime coming back from three nothing and then the next night they came back from three nothing down in the third to win in overtime no to win in regulation I'm sorry and then they're down three one to Philadelphia in the third and score two late goals to force overtime and then eventually winning in overtime I don't like the Bruins getting into this rhythm of getting down and then relying on power plays because that's what it has been. The power play has been absolutely buzzing. I don't like that as a method to winning games. Um, but nonetheless, they're getting those points and they are winning those games. But um, A point, a goal is a goal. A goal is a goal. Um, I'd rather just handle teams for three periods and carry a lead for all three periods than get down 3 nothing in the third and rely on some miracle comeback. But they've got three straight games with three miracle comebacks against the other two best teams in the division. So um, I, it's, it's certainly not a sustainable way of winning games. That's what I'm trying to get at here. Um, pretty soon that luck is going to run dry. But, you know, on that point, you get Poster knocked back, and he's scored a hat-trick and two other goals in his first three games back. So he's got five goals through three games, and... That's obviously a great sign to see him skating with purpose and see him skating well after that hip injury. Bergeron is, you know, playing Bergeron hockey, and um, the top line is playing how you would expect what is known as a perfection line to play. Oh, um, God. And I'll let you talk about your Rangers. I don't um, want to talk about it. Okay, never mind. We're then, having a PR crisis. What do you have to say about a particular burner account for a player who Listen. who just got signed today? No, he didn't. That was fake. No, I'm pretty sure I saw on TV that he got signed. Maybe we need to get caught up on our news. But yeah, Tony D'Angelo making a burner account on Twitter to go after people talking shit on him is 
certainly a, a top story of the season from a podcast standpoint for a podcast that isn't particularly listen, all that serious. Listen, I don't know. I don't go on Twitter a lot, so I can't. But I do have friends who do. And apparently they, like, tracked his IP address. Yes. To when he was tweeting out these things. And um, they tracked his IP address to Pittsburgh of the burner account who was attacking these Ranger fans on Twitter when people would say that he's like garbage, even which is totally invalid because it's a shame because he's such a good defenseman. But anyways, they tracked his IP address to Pittsburgh, which is where they had the away game. Mm. And that is where he was tweeting. And there was also a bunch of these other stories about how like when Keandre Miller scored his first goal, Tony D'Angelo stole the puck from him, which just, like, wasn't true. It was just people just, like, causing crap. But he will not be back because he is a PR nightmare. He was kicked out of the KHL for using racial slurs. He has known to be a little bit misogynistic and racist on a podcast and on social media. Um, So he is just a PR nightmare. I can't see anybody wanting to pick him up right now simply because... He cleared waivers today. I think that's the report I saw. He cleared waivers, so he's a he's a free agent. Yeah. Um. So I can't, cause COVID already is a PR nightmare in terms of, um, rescheduling games and trying to figure out what the best thing to do is. I can't imagine another team picks him up and says, "This is what we need right now." I just can't. Because he was so good. He is a very talented player, and no one can take that away from him. He just just does not conduct himself professionally at all, which is an issue. And he came on to the Rangers, and and they knew he was a PR nightmare. From a fan perspective, I think there are no greater stories in sports than when a player is caught with a burner account. Yeah, but, I th- yeah, I th- but... No, it's, it's so funny to me, because I've been on... Because I, I, I use Twitter a lot. I like Twitter a lot, and... I've been on the heels of a couple suspected burner accounts that I think I've found for certain players in the NBA. And it's just so fun to be on the hunt for these players and just try to piece together. It's really fun for the fans when there's a suspected burner account out there because, you know, you can, you can interact with the account. It's just fun. It's fun. Yes, but... but- but do they, like, yell at fans? Oh, absolutely. Because here's the thing, right? Here's the thing. When you're a professional athlete and you put yourself in a spotlight and you go onto social Are you media... Are explaining this to me right now? No, I'm, I'm just explaining why I think... Why players do this. It, it, and you I see your name know. getting dragged through the mud. It, you can't... You really want to defend yourself and you want to be able to defend yourself. And people think that there is a surefire way of going completely unknown and... Nope, nope. And they're really never is, IP but. addresses, those will end careers. Um, do I blame players who make burner accounts? Listen, if, if no, I'm not saying you blame players, but but what basically what he said is what he offended a lot of people, and I think this wouldn't have been as big of a deal if he didn't have a track record. There are players who will make burner accounts just to say like. I think so-and-so is going to have a really good game tonight, or so-and-so has been playing really, really good hockey lately. The, but this guy was using his burner account to Rangers, just berate fans. The Rangers president sent out a statement saying that his acts on social media weren't a factor in the decision to waive him. 
I well, think that's total crap. Well, yeah. I think they were done with his his yeah. So he took to Twitter in January, um, and he's a very hardcore co- um conservative, um, and likes to. That's why people don't like him because he likes to convey his opinions and yell at people. Um, they say it wasn't a factor in his decision. I think the Rangers have a lot of issues right now. He almost got into a fight with Alex Georgiev in the locker room. They were yelling at each other on the ice. I think they have a lot of problems right now, but I think getting rid of Tony D'Angelo will solve some of them. Um, otherwise, they're acting like two-year-olds. Um, and I have a two-year-old cousin, and he behaves better. So... The, they have to figure out how to work as a team and just be respectful to each other. What I saw, I couldn't make out what Tony said to Georgiev on the ice, but from the looks of it, um, it was not very kind. So... I, I think, obviously, this is like... Usually when you hear a burner story, like, it's pretty funny and it's something, like, lighthearted that you can joke oh, about. Clearly this, yeah. guy t- clearly this guy has issues beyond the burner account and the decision to put him on waivers probably, this you know, was just the this last was the last straw. straw. Exactly. This was, like, but, in and of itself, if you just look at the situation, you say it's not that bad. Some people, most people found it entertaining. But because he has a bad track record and because the Rangers have a lot of deep issues right now, teamwork being one of them... He was a negative energy and a negative, um, and just a negative presence that did not help the team work any more cohesively or work better and did not, did not contribute as much as clearly as much as they thought he was going to, to their wins. We have Keandre Miller now, who is a very talented defenseman. However, he is a rookie and I'm always a little bit wary of the rookies simply because you don't know what's going to happen with there's no nothing really to show for them in the National Hockey League it is very different playing in the NHL than it is in college um we have uh Jacob Truba who is very talented and we have Adam Fox so we have some defensemen he because we have these defensemen now stepping up to the plate he no longer is a crucial part and because now we have these key defensemen who are making Adam Fox has goals Keandre Miller has a goal um, Adam Fox, I know, has an assist. Jacob Truba has always been a solid defenseman. Now that we have those solid defenders, they realized, okay, we can afford to let him go. The issue is now who's going to replace him. Do I think that's that big of an issue? No, I don't. Um, however, I, I was on the David Quinn train last season, and there's probably evidence on this podcast that, however, um, I'm off that train now. He has started seven different lineups past like every game has been a different starting lineup well that's fine i mean you're playing when, when not, you change the starting lineup you're just playing matchups and no, like, no, no, just, no 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 he changes the lines and then he changes everybody's in a different spot everybody you never know who's really going to step on the ice it's, it's like the bruins third line starts games sometimes when no i'm think- not talking no he changes the players within the lines and then changes the starting lineup so every other game he'll put Booch, Mika, and Kreider on one line, and then all of a sudden he'll take Booch off one line and put him with Panarin, and then he'll, um, oh god, why am I blanking? I mean, at this point we're ten games into Ryan the season, Stroma. so you're still trying no, to figure out what lines work together. No, 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 the Bruins no, no, are still no, trying to figure out what second because, and third lines work together. Because we've had most of these offensive men for two years now, or more. So no. 
also in a shootout game. I think this was against Pittsburgh. I, I you cannot quote me on that. Um, we were seeing players with a minus two rating. Minus two for the whole game. Keep in mind, it's 3-3. Three, three. Players with a minus two rating for the whole game. Their first line had a minus two rating. First line offense. And he was putting them on in the shootout. And I said, why would you put the players who didn't produce, who were just not on their game tonight, in the most crucial moment? He put... Panarin had an assist. Panarin had a goal. Ryan Strom had two assists. Um, who else had a goal? And why can't I remember? Who well, I mean, in, in certain cases, when it comes to, like, playoffs... Buchnevich had a goal. No, 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 no. But, but listen, listen. But I'm telling you, shootout... Shootout... Like, shootout order is usually predetermined in morning skate or, like, in practice. Yes. So... How, however, um, also the fact that he put a defenseman as his third shooter also annoyed me. Because you have other people... I mean, like, McAvoy like, takes... McAvoy... Why, why is Tony D'Angelo shooting over Panarin third? Why is that happening? Why is he shooting over Buchnevich third? Well, I think, Why is he shooting over thing, Ryan like, Strong third? Uh, it doesn't. Thing. It didn't make sense. Because shootouts and scoring in shootouts are an entirely different skill set than you. You would think that just like you know forwards and attackers are goal scorers, but you That's get not cer- that, but, I'm but there are certain guys who excel. I'm talking about from a statistic point of view. I think statistics go out the window when it comes to a shootout. Shootouts are entirely different beasts, and like they're an entirely different skill set. Okay, guys- so you want to talk about skill? Those people have, they have, those players have more skill in scoring than Tony D'Angelo for sure. Tony D'Angelo, yes, has historically been good in shootouts. Do yeah, I that's think all that matters, I think. Do I think point. he's good enough to be the third shooter, the one who can determine the game? He's not that reliable. None of them are in the show. None of, the only one of those three who in first is Kreider, who is that consistent to be in the top three in a shootout. There are, a ton of other players who would have been better in the shootout. That I just don't like. He doesn't. I understand that you need to change things and figure out what works, especially in a young team. But the problem is he changes things too fast. He changes them too often that you can't figure out if it actually works or not. He, you, you, you can. I'm okay with him switching up the lineup. In terms of switching up the lines. But why don't you keep the lines together for a week or a week and a half and see what happens instead of switching them every other day? Because, and here's why I think that as a coach, if you were to put yourself in his position, you are under a lot of pressure as the New York Rangers head coach, a storied franchise who plays in one of the biggest markets in the world. You are under a lot of pressure consistently to win now. And when you're placed under that type of pressure from management, I, I think that sometimes as a coach it's really hard to say, okay, I'm going to sit back and for these two weeks I'm going to experiment with this line. So that's why I think these changes happen so quick. It's because sometimes as a coach, you don't have that long to figure things out. And you need to they produce. are completely ineffective and they have made us work. It makes you... In, it, 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 oh, why am I blanking on this word? Inability? It, 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 and it gives players the inability... To work together, you to, to actually have a line work, like use it the, the perfection line. How long have they been playing together? Such a it's as a New York fan, I could say that being in a big market, I can't say it doesn't mean anything. There are a lot of passionate hockey fans, but there are also a lot of hockey fans who know about the sport and who know that we're not going to be good this season. But that doesn't mean we're going to stop watching them. It's it's not as 
cut and dry as it is. It's not like we're, they're not See, good to work stuff. No, 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 I'm not. I'm talking about the fans, the type of fan that I am, because I am categorized as a type of fan. There are different fan categories. Every sport fan falls into a different one of those categories, not just hockey. Avid sport fans, the 20% who will spend the most, you know, you know the saying, 20% of your fan base gives you the most money. Mm-hmm. And I consider myself in that 20%. That 20% will not stop watching because they're bad. This 20%, though, will stop watching if they keep people around that they don't like. Nobody is happy with David Quinn right now who is a part of that 20%. Simply because we understand that we're young and that we're the youngest team and that we're new. His coaching tactics are not working, especially because now we have to figure out how to put these 20-year-old kids with Chris Kreider and Mika Zibanejad, who are almost 30 years old. It's hard to do that. And so you, you have to watch them at practice and see how they work together and take notice of who is it. It's as cliche as who has a special bond, who works well together, who mentors who, who talks to who. Instead of just every every time I watch the TV, I'm like, I have to watch the pregame show. I don't know who's going to, I don't know who's going to start. I don't know what he's going to do. I think- it's, it's just, it's. His coaching style is not working right now. And I appreciated it when he last season changed things when they started to not work. He would keep it. He would say, let's see. And if he said, okay, this really was not working, there would be a change. I appreciated it when he didn't change it every single game. But changing it every single game doesn't make your players adaptive. It hurts them. Because the only... People he's I've seen him consistently keep together are Ryan Strom and Panarin because they've been feeding each other the entire season so far. Other than that, I guess Kreider and Mika. Yeah, Ryan Strom's a guy with two goals and two assists through nine games. I wouldn't categorize that as just like a guy who's playing out of his mind. Here's what I think. I'm not. Ca- I'm not saying. I'm talking about team chemistry now because especially because this ties into the Tony D'Angelo thing, right? And him yelling at Alex Giorgio. Like, they, their issues are much deeper than skill, much deeper than stats right now. And I, I know there is no actual way to prove this, but I can tell by the way that they play. Their issues are team chemistry, right? They have a new goalie, a second-year goalie. Alex Shesterkin made his debut last year in the NHL um, when they switched around him and Georgiev, and he backed up Lundqvist, and he started against the Devils. We have first round, first overall pick, 19 years old. Andre Miller, 22 years old. We have all these young guys who, Capo Caco, 19 years old, who have potential to be great. But there's, there's no team chemistry going on right now that will help them become great. And there's no team chemistry that will help the older guys become better either. They, they need to figure out who needs to be... I, I've said this so many times. They need to name a captain, and I know they're not going to, but they need to. They need a leader because they're falling apart. They need to pick a leader. They need to stick with it. Everybody needs to follow this leader and trust not a coach, not a GM, and trust a player who's had experience and who knows what they're doing. Um, All right, well, so here's everything I just heard you say. So you're at a particular point in time where, okay, so they experimented last year with all these lines. They let them work for like two or three weeks because you had the time to do that. 
now you're at a point where you talk about this 20% you know, that spends the most money in the organization. They spend more than the rest of the 80%. You're at a point in time where you have no season ticket sales, um, you have no concession sales or anything like that. So what you're relying on is TV ratings. And those, those 20, that 20% of people, their TV ratings are just as valuable as the rest of the 80%. So right now, if you're management of the New York Rangers, right, it doesn't matter if you still have that 20% because that 20% isn't spending money at games. They're not going to games. You're not getting season, six, season ticket money. Let me, let me continue. So right now, you're looking at a, a Rangers fan base as a whole, and it's a shame that not everyone can be as loyal as you. You're definitely, you know, you obviously don't spend a lot of money because, you know, you're, you're a college student, but that your family does. False. But your family does. Your family does. And you consume the product, and you, you're very, very loyal. So you're at a point now where if you're, if you're David Quinn uh, as a head coach, you've got management breathing down your neck and saying, hey, listen, the only way that we're bringing money at this specific, at this specific point in time is if we keep our TV ratings where they are. Obviously, you're not getting the money from the 20% that goes to ticket sales, season ticket sales, concessions, and all the stuff that comes with the in-game experience of a hockey game. So at the, the only thing that can really keep them in business right now and keep the entire Rangers fan base as a whole watching is if you're producing right now and if you're David Quinn, you know your job's on the line if you're not getting wins immediately. And that's why I think you're seeing the issue of him changing lines every night. Obviously, the chemistry thing is an entirely different thing. But I think David Quinn is ultimately going to be made a scapegoat here. Um, but I think management is ultimately forcing his hand right now, saying, hey, if you don't get a couple wins in the next couple of games, you might be out of here before the trade deadline. Um, he should be. So I think that's the reason. I'm not going to place all the blame in his feet. Obviously, when a team is struggling with the amount of potential that you described that they have right now, obviously with a young team, it's going to take time. Right now, David Quinn knows that he doesn't have the time necessary to get this team to where it needs to be. And I, that's less, I think, David Quinn's fault than it is management's fault. And at the end of the day, this is a business. Um, we consume the hockey. As, a, like, yeah, as, as consumers of the product, we think... You know, the only thing that matters is if our hockey team is winning. To management, obviously getting wins is big, but money is just as important. Obviously wins lead to money, but you're at a point in time where obviously you got no one in the stands. So right now, TV ratings are significantly going to fall if you don't get results soon and now. And that's the reason why I think you're seeing David Quinn make such rash decisions and um, obviously decisions that you don't disagree with because this is a team that doesn't need time. And in two to three years... They're all going to mature and they're all going to come into their own. But right now, David Quinn knows that if he doesn't get results fast, he's screwed. So I think that's the reason why you're seeing it all fall apart, uh, fall apart at the coaching level. But I don't think it's completely justified to put it all at his feet um, because there are plenty of factors above him um, within the organization that is leading to this issue. And as cliche as it is, you can kind of just blame COVID. Well, you can't really blame COVID. No, you can't. And I was going to ask you, like, is this a season that you're you're just going to punt on? Um, because I, I think at this point, yes, because I think at this point the Rangers' course of action that should be taken is um, either sit down with David Quinn, fire him, him or tell him get him out. This is what I think the Rangers management needs to do. You can do one of two things. You can sit down, and have a meeting with him, and say, hey. We're willing to punt on the success of this season under the condition that you get everyone right, you build the chemistry back, and you figure out and you take the time you need, whether it costs us wins or not, to figure out the lines and figure out who should be playing with who. Or you fire David Quinn and you bring in a new guy and tell him, hey, your job's not going to be on the line for a couple years. This is what we want you to do with the team. And then in two to three years, maybe you have that guy there. But I think that management 
needs to make a decision soon if they really want to build this team for long-term success or make really, really quick and rash decisions to save money now uh, and save their product now by, you know, firing David Quinn and bringing somebody who can take this team and turn them into a win-now product. Um, but I think that's there, where... There it, is no such thing, as, as, as especially winning now won't do it. There's no such thing as a win-now product. With I think that's completely false. I, 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 well, those are just the two courses of action that I think the Rangers management need to take. Here's, here's, here's the thing. You said something that I don't agree with. Money does not necessarily mean wins at all. Um, it is better to be a horrible team than to be irrelevant across any sports. Look at, look Whoa, at that's like, the point I was trying to make to you all last season. You remember that? No. Oh my god, we have the receipts. We can go back to episodes all last year. Where I, was ta- saying, I literally learned this in class. Your cap. The word irrelevant was used on my end throughout the entire season last year when we were doing the show back in Anderson. And we can go back and look at the receipts. I was just like, it's almost worse for the Rangers to be irrelevant at the moment than actually just be bad. And I agreed. No, no, you didn't. Yes, okay, I did. Okay, 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 continue, continue. continue I continue. did, because I, I've I can't I've believe I just heard fact. you use the word irrelevant, because you came at me countless times last year for using the word irrelevant. Because <laughs> they're not irrelevant. They, and they never will, because, look, all right. So they were irrelevant last year, but they're bad enough they this year to the point where she's like, no, what no, the no, hell no, no, are the no, Rangers no. doing? No, that's, that's, not, that's not what I mean at all. There are such things as irrelevant franchises, franchises that will all that will almost always be irrelevant because just simply they they don't like have the a Florida Panthers because there's no hockey fans. Before. Yes, exactly. Well, like, the they can, they can be really bad and no one would care. Like the Rangers are really bad, but people care because mm-hmm. they they they're relevant, right? Same thing with the Cleveland Browns. Remember, I don't know if you, we studied this. The Bud Light sponsored them. They had a whole Bud Light case that was wrapped in chains and it said open like after the first time they win. The Browns have consistently brought in revenue at the granted it's been a lot more um, Browns are a good team. Well, no, I'm talking about before they were good. They consistently um brought in revenue when they were terrible. But they're not irrelevant. They were never irrelevant. Okay, look at this. Yes, is it a lot of revenue? Uh, are they worth a lot? No, almost $2 million. Um, recently, obviously, it's skyrocketed since they started getting some wins and they became playoff contenders. But the Browns have always been relevant. They've always had a loyal fan base. So even though they were terrible, people cared. But here's um, the thing. The point where I was trying to make you... And- my point that I was making that you didn't let me finish, they are still able to bring in money because they are relevant. Even though they're so terrible. Look, the Rangers will never be irrelevant simply because they're an original six team and because they are valued at the highest valued franchise in the NHL. They can lose every game this season and people will still give them money. I know because I would. They, because they just, think about it, we're talking about volume now, right? How many people are, uh, c- contribute money to this organization? You're talking yes, about a New yes. York sports team. There's always going to be the, fa- there's always going to be the money there simply because it's the biggest market in the world. Exactly. But when I, what the point that I'm getting at is, and when, when I say that wins equals money, I'm not saying that wins and money are 
mutually exclusive. I'm not, I'm not saying that you can't make money without winning. I'm just saying that when you're a winning franchise, your, your ratings are going to go up, your viewership's going to go up, and if you make the playoffs, that's, at the minimum, three more home games that you get to sell with tickets inflated probably by... 100% as much as you would pay for a regular season ticket. That's where that that's that's the type of money I'm talking about. Because if you're a winning team, you're making the playoffs, and then if you're in the playoffs, you're making considerably more money because you're having an extended season. That's more yes. of the point I was trying to get at. And I don't know about Boston, but what the Rangers have done um, is, well, first of all, they already for they already have a lot of their season tickets because for I, my uncle has them four season tickets in the Rangers. He had to put a deposit down back in March. For this season right before covid hit so a lot of people put down the deposit yes they did do refunds but a lot of people just said push it towards next season so they have that money they also put out this thing called a wait list you pay 250 dollars per seat and you get on a wait list and once they start letting people back in the stands because let's say you're not gonna general public's not gonna be able to buy a ticket i think for at least two years yeah, what you're talking about right now is a band-aid though that 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 will you know, soften the blow of COVID and that in the short term will save money, but it's still nothing compared to the losses that you're taking by not playing 41 home games in a season and being able to sell out the garden 41 times. But yes, it is a way of continuing to make money in a time where money's tight. Yeah, but, you, but just the way that you made it sound like it's a, that they had zero revenue. A lot of people did put down season ticket deposits and just say push towards next season. You're talking about a franchise that makes millions on millions of dollars, maybe even billions. I don't know. No, what type no of money I don't is. think millions. Oh, they definitely make millions, but... Uh, no, billions. I said not billions. Not billions. But let's look it up. I'm just saying, like, you, the solutions that you're talking about, I, within the organization, those are great short, short-term short fixes. Um, you know, and I, I call them Band-Aids, but, I mean, at the same time, the amount of money that ownership is losing, people don't really comprehend how much ownership is losing through all of this. Okay. And people, it's why it's just like, you always see just like, people get all up in arms when like, custodians of the garden get fired or stuff like that. It's just like, I mean, these owners are hemorrhaging money. (laughs) Obviously, we don't like to think, we don't like to have any sympathy for them because they're millionaires. But at the same time, they're losing millions upon millions of dollars through all this. And, you know, they have to make really difficult decisions. And I think one of those decisions that New York Rangers management is making at the time is clearly affecting David Quinn's coaching style to bring it all full, full circle. I don't know. I just don't like him anymore. And that's that, that's completely fine as a, as a fan of the team. Obviously, I, I, I can sit here and be as objective as I want, but as a fan of the team, your perspective is more important than mine because, you know, as a fan, you're a consumer I, of their product. I so really, say, I can't what say, you feel is what management needs to listen to. I can't say that I don't like him because he, I have nothing against him as a person. I just think his coaching style isn't working right now, and if he's not willing to change it, then I don't think he's the right fit for the team. Yeah, and unfortunately, I don't think it's—I don't think he can change it at the moment because he knows that his job is on the line. All right, so we've just been going in circles for the past twenty minutes, saying the same thing. And all right, so let's move on. I want to talk about my fantasy team. Oh, great! You can talk about your fantasy team. All right, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Um, First of all, I'm in a. uh, 10-team fantasy hockey league that's actually pretty competitive this year where everyone pays attention. I don't know a majority of the guys. I was simply added to it for no goddamn reason. I don't know why I was added, but I'm pleased that I was. Um, I had the ninth overall pick, and scoring here is, is it's pretty tricky because defenseman points, this, this one towards my draft strategy, 
defenseman points are doubled as forward points. So as my top pick in the draft, I targeted John Carlson, defenseman, Washington Capitals. This is a man who had 40-plus assists last year in a shortened season. It's a lot of assists for a defenseman. And yeah, I think those points are doubled under this scoring setting in this league. Um, I'm very pleased with the pick. He's playing very good hockey through 10 games. He has four goals and seven assists. More goals than I expected, which is huge. Um, Still meeting his assist numbers. And um, I think he was a great pick. At pick number two, I completely botched it. I went Pat Kane. He sucks. (laughs) Pat Kane is done. Let's just put that out there right now. Pat Kane is washed. Um... The Blackhawks suck. Pat Kane is washed. They have a great young goalie, by the way, who I'd like to talk about because I found him on the waiver wire. Waiver wire. Kevin Lankinen. He is playing lights out hockey. He's got a save percentage of nine thirty five and a two goals against average, and he's three and four. That's despicable. <laughs> if you're the Blackhawks organization, this kid's playing out of his mind. in In the past four games, he's had forty one saves, and he got an overtime loss in that game. <laughs> Yesterday, he had 38 saves, again, got an overtime loss, and he's 3-7. and seven. Poor guy. <laughs> Poor guy. But anyway, that, that's for the goalkeeper situation. I've also got Frederick Anderson, who is uh, not meeting expectations, and Sergei Brovsky, who's, you know, when he plays, when Florida actually plays, he plays fine, but obviously a lot of his games get postponed. But Pat Kane sucks. He's got five goals and six assists through 11 games, which are decent numbers, but certainly not what you're you expecting. You thought he was from- going to be a superstar. Well, he, he he is a superstar, um, but he, you know, obviously we knew the decline was coming. I honestly thought that in a shortened season he was going to be able to put up the big numbers again. And that's not to say he isn't, but plus minus, is a bit, plus minus is a big factor in this league. And because he's on a team that consistently gives up a shit ton of goals, it, it negatively affects him. Um, but going down the line, um, how can I not draft Patrice Bergeron? And I said to myself when I drafted Patrice Bergeron, I was like, I don't want to be a homer. I probably took him higher than I needed to. You mean like our, our, one, a of homer our, our being, friend, one of our friends does with his yeah, precious homer, homer, NFL team? Homer, homer being somebody who only drafts players yeah. that they like from their team. But the pick is panning out. Bergeron is averaging 7.3 fantasy points a game, which is monstrous. What do you think about him being on the roster for Team Canada? Oh, well, he's like, I don't know how many. Like, obviously, he's Canadian. He can't help that. Um... <laughs> Obviously, if like USA ever plays, they're kind of stacked. I was looking at it. TSN posted it. Like, and Dom Sweeney just took a GM position with um, Team Canada. Um, and Sidney Crosby is on Team Canada. Team Canada has always been stacked. Obviously, when it comes to USA versus Team Canada, I, obviously I'm rooting for Team USA. But uh, hopefully, Bergeron can score hat tricks and still to, lose. I, I, I feel more inclined to root for. <laughs> <laughs> That's so dumb. Um, through 10 games, Bergeron has 6 goals and 9 assists, including 3 assists and a goal last night in a huge win against the Flyers. Mm-hmm. Huge win against the Flyers. That was a great game. Um, going down the Clay line... Clay doesn't think it's a huge win. Going down the line... Wait, we're 3-0 against the Flyers this year. Just saying. Jamie Benn, he's having a great season. Now, he's only played in 3 games due to injury, and obviously Dallas not playing a lot of games, but he's got 2 goals and 3 assists through 3 games. Load up on Dallas players if you're anyone out there watch, listening to this who does fantasy, who does fantasy hockey. hockey. Obviously, that, that's a lot to ask for in somebody. Um, obviously, it's a small sample size of people I'm reaching out to. But load up on Dallas players because they're all scoring like crazy. Dennis Gurionov, I picked up four goals and four assists through seven games. But the rest of the team is just stacked. We're 2-1, and one, um, fourth place in the league out of 10 teams. Um, we're scoring a lot of points. 
So, you know, the fantasy team this year is really coming into its own. For you, I've got Ryan Strom. Um, it, it It's big because he's a face-off guy. Um, centerman, so... Um, face-off points are huge, so that's the reason that's only really keeping him in my lineup at the time being, because you get a lot of points from face-offs. Obviously, he's not doing it on the points totals, but he hasn't been hot in the last five games. Through the first four games of the season, he failed to register a point, but in his last five games, he's got two goals and two assists, which is not nothing to complain about. Um, and the team is pretty big, so Keith Yondel is leading my defense for the Florida Panthers, uh, playing great hockey, two goals and four assists for a defenseman through six games. Mark Stone also leading my attack. Two goals, nine assists through seven games. We're a really, really solid team. Really, really solid team time being. You proud of yourself? Yeah, I did a lot of my work on the waiver wire. Um, the team I drafted is not really similar at all to the team I have now. Um, but, you know, it's, it's all about finding the hot hands. And it's all about, you know, you know picking up guys who, mm-hmm. you, you know, who are playing well in the moment. Some guys that I drafted are far gone, and they will never be brought back. Um, but... I've also got Tyler Sagan and Pierre-Emerick Dubois on IR, and when they come back, oh, it's over. Oh, it's over. <laughs> if they come back Done for the season. Um, it's looking like Sagan won't be back by April, um, so that's, that's nice. Um, sorry for the dead air, but I'm looking up some... Uh, I just want to talk about Joe Pavelski. Obviously, he's the front runner for... Um, what's the equivalent of the MVP trophy in hockey? Heart, 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 the heart trophy. Um, he, he's, I, I can't say he's the front runner. He, no, he has to be the front runner because Dallas has only played eight <laughs> games. Obviously, Leon Drysoto playing out of his mind, Kyron McDavid playing out of their minds. But Joe Pavelski threw seven games, seven goals, and seven assists. <laughs> That's absurd. <laughs> um, you just have to throw that out there and give some love to the guy. Tyler Toffoli also exceeding expectations this year. I touched on him earlier. He's got nine goals through ten games. Like, from a statistical standpoint, um, from a statistical standpoint, Tyler Toffoli is leading the league in goals with nine. Um, who could have saw that coming? And Colin McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl are, are both leading the league in assists with 15 and 16, respectfully, which is absurd for that line. I mean, that that is so beyond scary that those two are playing that well. I mean, look, look at Connor McDavid's stats in the last... That's a rough picture. Six games. In the last six games. Three assists, a goal and assist, two assists, two goals and an assist against Ottawa, four assists and a goal. <laughs> and he's a guarantee. He's got eight goals and 16 assists through 12 games. I mean, holy fuck. Oh. oh I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I keep it playing just as well and also winning faceoffs. Um, it, it, it is just really astonishing what some of these players and some of the paces that they're they have to the start of the season it's absurd some of them some of the numbers that players are putting up at the moment which is absolutely unreal um, that's all i have to say on the fantasy front but um we're playing great hockey at the moment the team is buzzing the boys are buzzing yeah unless you have anything else to add what is there anything we failed to touch on no i don't think wait, so wait 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 wait, wait, wait. No, i no. sent something to you the other day that i said oh Let's keep this in the back of our minds for the podcast. I got to go back in the archives and find a certain... Oh, here it is. <laughs> and this is great because this is on subject. In a 56-game season... Is this what we're ending it on? This is what we're entering it on. Okay. And this could be a lengthy conversation. Oh, God. Um, 
ESP, I mean, the NHL's Instagram page posed a question. Will Connor McDavid and or Leon Dreisaitl score 100 points this season? This is a 56-game season. They, uh, the at, stats you just described, it is perfectly possible. At this point in time, um, McDavid has 8 goals, 14 assists. Now, I, this has this actually isn't even updated. Um, but through the first, I believe this was 10 games in the season, they were on 22 points and 21 points. And that puts them on pace for 111 points for McDavid and 106 for Dreisaitl. That would be 30 goals and 76, 76 assists for Dreisaitl and 40 goals and 71 assists for McDavid. That's nuts. I Do, do I think they can do it? That's the question. Now... I honestly don't know. I'm going to go... I, I'm going to go... Usually with stats, I'm, I'm a little conser- I'm on the conservative side and I would say, like, that's an absurd pace. There's no way they can keep it up. These are, I think, the first and second best players in hockey. And on a line together that is clearly clicking on all cylinders in a league where they only play seven other opponents eight times that they are clearly dominant. Now it's a team Edmonton by no means is dominating that division, but this line is dominating the rest of the division. They've already played. You got to figure they've already played like four out of the seven opponents. Um, They're going to play the opponents. They've already played at six other times each and they've clearly shown that they can handle them no problem. And for that reason, because you know they only play a select number of teams, I, I think that they're actually going to do it. And I think that they're both going to do it. How do you stop this? I don't know. It's very possible. That is my answer. It's very possible. So we'll, we'll come back to this moment in time in, by, by the end of the season and see if my prediction holds up and see if they actually finish over 100 points each. Um, Each, I don't know about that. Actually, so you're gonna say yes? Is that your I'm gonna say yes. The question right. is and or. I'm gonna say both. I'm gonna say they both finish over. I'm, I'm gonna say one or the other, not both. Okay, then which one are you choosing? Connor McDavid. I, I, I in a way, I think Drysaddle's success is a little more sustainable, simply because of the assist numbers. Um. Mm. Yeah, assists. Let, let's be real, because in, in the NHL, you know, you can have two assists per goal. If that line you figure is scoring once or twice a game, probably even more, he's going to be involved on two. Or, he's going to be involved in two or more of those goals. I, I mean, obviously, it, it's absurd what they're doing to this point. We've never seen anything like it before. But I don't think there's any reason to believe that. He, they can't sustain the success simply because they've had this early success against the division that they're going to play for the rest of the rest of the season, and they've proven that they can handle it no problem. Um, if they if it was a regular season, obviously they'd score more than hundred points because it would be in uh, an eighty two game season. But mm-hmm. if it was a fifty six game season where they were playing the entire league, I would probably say no. But because they're playing in a division where they can clearly handle just about any opponent and put up monster numbers, and they're going to play them for another 40 games, yeah, I, I think they're going to do it. And I feel like that's fairly fairly good reasoning. That was um, a very nice answer. Thank you. Very detailed. Um, and, and also, I, 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 Leon Dreisaitl is scoring more goals um, than he would normally have in a regular season. He's usually like a monster assist guy, and he's pouring in both. So that's why I think if it was one or the other, I'd pick Dry Settle, but I think they're both going to do it. Why not? Very possible. 
Alright. Very possible. That's my that's my slogan for the day. I picked out that post this week to talk about, and I'm glad we were able to get to it, and I remembered it. Um, but that's all we have for this week. Yep. And you, we'll come back next week wrote. with, and we're going to monitor the, we are going to monitor their stats closely we to should. see if they continue this historic pace. Yes. Um, so catch us back next week to see where they stand. And uh, from South Hill, good night. Our eyes are closed when we start this loop on repeat.